I'm Jake Corley. And I'm Mark LaCour. You're listening to the Oil & Gas This Week podcast brought to you by Red Wing. This is the show for busy oil professionals who want to quickly keep their fingers on the pulse of the industry. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Oil & Gas This Week. You're listening to episode 96. Mark, we're almost to 100. Yeah, we got to do something big for 100. That's, uh, what, a month away? Four more weeks away? Oh, yeah. I'm still waiting on some input from people, but I haven't heard anything yet. So let us know what we should do for 100. We're short on time. Yeah, and if you don't let us know, we're going to do what we want to do. <laughs> it may it may or may not involve wine. I was just thinking it's going to involve alcohol in some form or fashion. <laughs> Maybe do like a live Q&A or something with wine. That'd be interesting. <laughs> it would get interesting if we did it over a long period of time because the answers would get funnier and funnier the longer we went. <laughs> and just like a, like a drink-a-thon. <laughs> All right, so this is the first Friday Q&A. This is where we, Jake and I, answer your questions, and we got some actually really good questions. But before we get into that, I want to talk about being on the road. So at the end of this month, the entire podcast gang, so me, Paige, Jake, Patrick, we're going to be uh, in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma for the Mid-Continent Digital Oilfield Conference, MCDOC. If you're in this industry in any form or fashion, and if you're looking to generate business, you need to get your butt over there. This is um, It's a conference built around the technology that the bigger players, bigger operators are using, and how can the smaller operators use that same technology to uh, increase profits in production. So we'll be there. Um, this trip is being made possible by the Oklahoma Energy Resources Board, and basically their mission is to use the strength of Oklahoma's greatest industry to improve the lives of all Oklahomians through education and restoration, and also through SOAR, the sustain, uh, Sustaining Oklahoma's Energy Resources, and then V2Com. So V2Com I've known for a long time. They're the uh, basically the oil and gas Internet of Things company. They have over 10 years of experience doing Internet of Things with over 1 million devices connected worldwide. So they basically provide platforms to turn products into intelligent connected devices, which drives money and cost savings for you. So we thank for those three groups for helping make this trip possible. Um, we're also going to be in the Geo Convention in Calgary, May 15th and 19th. Um, uh, Dustin has an awesome special, basically a discount on a booth. You need to jump on that as quick as you can. Uh, Jake will put in the show notes Dustin's email address. You can also send Dustin like love notes and just see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, also, we'll also be at the NAEP Summit in February, Process Safety Oil and Gas in March, OTC. Uh, we're doing something with NOV. Actually, it's going to be really cool. It's um, We're at the preliminary parts of it, Jake, but I just met with NOV, and we're going to have all three podcasts at their Shrimp Boil, which is their uh, invitation-only event. So that should be fun. Um, if you want us to come to your trade association, oh, blah, your trade association, company events, conferences, schools, sales and marketing means, or even your car club or your gym, Jake and I will be happy to come. Um, reach out to us, and we'll share the details with you. And like Mar said, this is our first Friday Q&A, so let's go ahead and roll right into our questions. Question one, coming from Roy Jones. He's the president over at Stinger Oil Tools. His question is, as a manufacturer of non-API artificial lift valves, is longevity more or less important than production numbers when service costs play a large role in overhead cost on a well? Yeah, Roy, what an awesome question. And in case any of our audience doesn't know what artificial lift is, artificial lift is basically a way to increase the flow of crude oil from a, a well that's in production. And usually it's either a mechanical device like a pump or a velocity string 
or they inject gas, which uh, uh, decreases the basic the weight of that column so that it flows better. So that's what artificial lift is. And Stinger's been in this in this world for a very long time. I don't know when Stinger got started, but ever since I've been in the industry, I've, I've, no, I've heard Stinger oil tools. And so basically, I guess the answer to your question, Roy, it's going to depend on the operator. Um, but when the service cost is a, is a huge cost in, in the overhead of that well, um, I'm telling you right now that, that uh, longevity is going to play a big role in that because uh, when you have downtime and you have high service costs, that's a bad combination. So the ability to stay up longer uh, or as long as possible is, is what really is going to drive the, the uh, operator to, to choose your tool. Um, you know, that's, um, that world, the, um, the, those downhole traveling valves is what Stinger does. Um, that's been around for a very long time. Like, I mean, Jake, I mean, maybe, I don't know, 80 or a hundred years. Um, and the thing I think Stinger does different is conventionally use a ball and seat valve, but I think Stinger has something better. So if you're out there and you're an operator and you have trouble with, um, with the artificial lift valves, check out Stinger, engage in the conversation with them. They're doing something a little bit different. And, and I think that their, their tools actually make sure that you have less downtime. Uh, but great question, Joy. I mean, great question, Roy. Thanks for reaching out. <laughs> Next up is from John Berkeley. Uh, he mentioned that he was laid off. So John, if you're currently looking for a job, why don't you send me, me or Mark an email and perhaps we can, you know, fire off some emails in return uh, and maybe get you into a job. Uh, he writes, do you th really think there's a shortage of people and parts on land uh, the end of 2017? Yeah, so John, uh, you must have paid attention to my predictions because we talked about that. Everybody thinks I'm crazy, but I'm looking at what's happened. So in the uh, service companies on land, especially here in North America, uh, they've depleted their supplies, their warehouses. They just can't afford to have pumps and parts and pieces sitting around. If it had been a lot of layoffs, a lot of good, strong, experienced talent is gone out of this industry. And I'm watching the the uh, production numbers go up. I'm watching the rig count go up. And when I graph those out in Microsoft Excel, which is actually what we did, there's a point at the very end of 2017 where the two lines cross each other, which means there's going to be a shortage of people and parts and pieces. And so, yes, I, I really honestly believe that we're going to see inflation with the service companies upstream, but on land, not offshore, but on land. Um, but, you know, I don't have a crystal ball, so we'll see at the end of this year if I got this one right or not. But thanks for reaching out. He also said, Jake, that he loves this show, which is cool. <laughs> All right, up next is Evan Kirkham. He's a third-year student at SMU School of Law. Uh, he writes, love the show. I listen every week. Uh, I am in my last year of law school at SMU Law in Dallas. I'm interested in practicing oil and gas law, but I'm not sure how to best get plugged in. Is there an oil and gas club for attorneys? How can I expand my network? Thanks. Yeah, so the funny thing about this is I get this quite often. I have uh, young people that are in school that are thinking ahead. And, 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 you know, Evan, you are thinking ahead properly. You want to start doing that networking while you're in school. And they just don't know where to look. And so um, I reached out to um, – I'm plugged into actually some very senior legal leadership uh, with some of the large super majors, and long story, from years ago. Um, and I reached out to them and, and posed this question. And I got actually about five organizations that I didn't even know existed uh, shot back to me. And so I sent them to Evan. But basically there's a, a group called TexasEnergyLaw.org. And then there's another group um, um, called HBA.org. Uh, and they have a section on oil and gas and mineral law. And then there's a group called uh, oilandgas.org, which is another legal group around oil and gas. And then there's the Austin Bar Association has a section just for oil and gas and mineral rights. 
So if you're out there and you're looking at law and oil and gas, you're a student like Evan and looking for a group, Jacob put these uh, links in the show notes. But, you know, here's a handful of dedicated oil and gas networking groups for attorneys um, that focus nothing about oil and gas. And like I said, I, I didn't even know this existed. But, uh, you know, Evan, thanks for reaching out. And hopefully I shot this to Evan earlier. Hopefully you find this useful. And I think there's one more organization that we're forgetting about. APIYP. Oh yeah, good call, Jake. I think yeah, you yeah, need yeah. to get plugged in with us. It would uh, it would be it would behoove you to say the least. It, it would behoove you. Um, good work, Jake. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the API Young Professionals are all about um, education and promotion of all young professionals in oil and gas, regardless of what your career path is. So um, it would be great. It's um, we're, pretty soon we're going to be standing up a mentoring group. So, uh, Evan, we would find you in a senior uh, legal person, oil and gas, that would make that connection with you. And y'all would get together once a month for a phone call or lunch. He can help you um, as you grow your career. So, yeah, good call, Jake. API Young Professionals. I'm sure Jake will put a link in the show notes for that, too. <laughs> you got it. All right, up next is uh, Dan Goldberg. He's assistant professor over at Texas A&M. He said, I just listened to the show from a week ago. Thank you for choosing me as the winner of the Bulwark gear. I really appreciate it. I learned at the end of the show the death of Marine Jake Frederick. And I would appreciate if you would send my award to his family instead of me. I intend to find the show notes to get the website to give a donation to his family. Thank you, you all for your service. Keep up the great work and great show. Uh, so you want to go ahead and respond to that one? Yeah. So Dan, I um I appreciate this. I mean, this is really this is this is why this is our family. Here's somebody that, that we don't know that didn't know um, Jake Frederick that's willing to give his prize up, which is highly sought after, just to be nice and do the right thing. So because our oil and gas audience is our family and because so many of y'all think this way, what we're going to do, uh, Dan, is we're going to go ahead and send you your two-tone base layer. But the Oil and Gas Global Network is going to make a donation in your name uh, to the, um, the foundation uh, for um, Jake Frederick because um, you're just totally unselfish around this and we love this. So, you know, all of you out there, we love our oil and gas family. And here's a perfect example why. Yeah, thanks again, Dan. Uh, up next is Daniel Z. I'm not even going to try to pronounce his name. Uh, he says, I'm a 30-year mechanical engineer with several years of experience in manufacturing as a technician as well as an engineer. I wanted to switch to oil and gas career and join an upstream company as a field roustabout and pumper in training in 2015 out in western Oklahoma. I want to be an engineer with the energy sector. What are your suggestions as to how I can advance my career and get in front of hiring managers as I don't have a PE degree nor the chemical one, but I do have a mechanical uh, engineering degree and field experience with production. Yeah, so, so Daniel, this is actually a really good question, and it's a really good place to be because there's a lot of people just like you that don't have that education background but have the field experience. And right now in 2017 and for the next uh, you know 10 or 20 years, companies value experience over education. So the way to do this is find a company um, that that – has a need for what you do. And, and you may not step into an engineering role, but you may support an engineer. And what will happen is that company will spend the money so you don't have to, to put you to school. Um, I know I, I could tell you the story probably two or 300 times where a company had a good employee that didn't have the education for the role that the employee was a good fit for. And the oil and gas company paid for their education. And I'm not talking about just undergraduate. I'm talking about master's degree, advanced degrees. Um, and because they're, you're working at the same time, they cut you some slack so you can go to school. Um, and, and I, you know, if, if you're looking to stay in Western Oklahoma, I would do a quick Google search and look at, see who is actually, um, doing a lot of expansion right now. There's a lot of pipeline expansion out there in Western Oklahoma right now. And I'd look at some of those companies and reach out to them. Um, if Jake and I can help you in this, this place somewhere, reach out to us, um, 
uh, I think our email addresses are on Owen Guys Global Network, but I think Jake puts our Twitter handles up on, on the actual show page. Um, but you're, you're in a good place. It's just a matter of being able to explain your background, show a company the value that you bring, and then let them know that you want more, and they'll happily pay for your education. Up next is Pete. That's all the information we have about Pete. Uh, it actually says Pete with rather not say. <laughs> so uh, Mark and Jake love the love the way the show is going. Uh, Jake, you're killing it as a new co-host. Me and my coworkers are hoping you stay in that seat for a very long time. My question is for Jake. I want to hear Mark's input as well. I feel honored to get a question. That's nice. Uh, it's cool. What do you see as the biggest mistakes entrepreneurs make when looking to stand up a company that sells to the global energy business? Um, so my first, I would have a question at first would be, uh, are you somebody who has a ton of oil and gas experience or are you somebody who's just really intrigued by oil and gas and you have experience in other industries? Um, we see a lot of people from outside the industry try to come in and launch a startup the way that they would in other, other industries. Uh, and this industry operates completely differently. We talk about that in almost every single episode as to, to how different we are uh, than other industries. Um, and I've also seen so say, for example, you were a, uh, a technical co-founder. I mean, the, the, the hot thing now is, is tech startups, right? Tech startups, whether it be software or hardware. Um, and somebody has a lot of success outside the industry but wants to come into oil and gas. The first thing that they need to do is they need to find somebody who can market and sell for them because most technical co-founders can't do both. Okay, so you need to bring them on as a co-founder. Um, if you are first somebody who doesn't have a whole lot of oil and gas experience, another crucial part of your team is going to be finding somebody who has a really, really good proven track record. Somebody who's got 20, 30 years in the industry and understands it intrinsically. Um, you know, I, I've said it time and time again, building the right team for your company is going to set yourself up for success. It's not all in the funding. It's not all in the idea, but the people that you employ. Yeah. And I suspect, um, uh, that Pete probably doesn't know the industry well because he called it the energy business. <laughs> and Pete, just so you know, please, please, please do not walk into Exxon and call them an energy company because they'll kick you out. They're an oil and gas company. Um, I, I guess my two senses is kind of along with what Jake says is you have to understand this industry. Don't come in and expect to learn as you go. Spend the time to learn it up front and then you can figure out how to come in. It's, you know, we have a lot of tech clients at Modal Point. And the mistakes that they make and the money that they waste is because they don't understand the industry. I'll give you a perfect example. They typically will bring their technology in and they want to sell it based upon cost savings. And in other industries, that's actually probably a big driver, right? Because the margins are smaller. So if you say, if your final adjusted margins in like, say something like big box retail um, is 11 or 12% and you can save 3%, well, that's huge. In the oil and gas industry, margins in some sectors are 47, 48, 50%. 3%, they don't even care. So you have to you have to understand what the drivers are in this industry and also this industry's inherent risk avoidance. Um, because of what we do, when you make a mistake in this industry, people die. And you have this huge environmental catastrophe which can destroy a company overnight. So once this industry builds a process, and whether that's how you cement a well or how you do with accounts receivable or how you deal with all your geodata, and you implement that process and nothing blows up, 
Nothing leaks. You don't want to change that process. It's probably another big mistake that I see a lot of entrepreneurs come in is they have solutions, not understanding that this industry doesn't like to change their existing processes. So, but, but good question. And, and Pete, if, um, you know, really, if you need some help with this, reach out to Jake. I mean, he's an expert at helping companies understand, especially startup and entrepreneurs, how to work in the oil and gas industry. There's one more thing I want to add to that, too, is if you, you believe you're bringing something that is uh, cutting edge, right, as far as tech into this industry, really, really talk with people on the ground level uh, to see if it's something that will actually be adopted. Because they're, like, like Mark said, they're very risk adverse. Um, they're not likely to adopt new technologies. I've experienced this firsthand. For example, with the previous startup, we put so much emphasis into building what we would call like mobile solutions for our enterprise product, where a lot of it can be controlled from tablets and iPhones and stuff like that. Um, and we we went in thinking that because this was something that was hot in other industries, and it must be something that you know the oil and gas industry would want. Um, in actual execution, that that wasn't really. In, in all reality, that wasn't the case. Okay, so actually talking to people on the ground level. These guys, I mean, think think about it. Pumpers it was, were the people that we were dealing with. They wanted to use laptops. They didn't want to use smartphones. They didn't want to use tablets. Um, so you, you have to take that into consideration. So that kind of goes back to, to just talking to people who are on the ground level in the industry. Yeah, so Pete, I'll tell you something that you think is crazy, but I'm telling you the truth. There's billions of problems in the oil and gas industry that nobody wants to fix. And I've watched companies waste money and almost go out of business crafting a solution for a problem that nobody wants to fix. Well, if nobody wants to fix it, they're never going to buy your solution. So that's, you know, yeah, Jake's absolutely spot on. You really need to spend your time understanding not just this industry from a process point of view, but from a culture point of view. The culture in oil and gas is different than any other vertical I know. All right. So next up is Anthony D. Benedetto. He's a financial analyst intern. Uh, he writes, "Mark, my name is Anthony D. Benedetto, <laughs> and I'm a new listener to your oil and gas podcast. I am a fresh finance graduate out of LSU and have embraced that I, if I plan to have a lucrative equity research career in the New Orleans area, then I have to become an oil and gas expert." The only problem is that I'm having difficulties creating a path that will guide me towards that goal. Your podcast has been extremely helpful, along with reading Wall Street Journal and other articles, and even becoming a member of APIYP like you suggested. Awesome. Go, Anthony. <laughs> Would you happen to have any other advice that could help me become a better analyst? Appreciate your time. Yeah, so I am. Um um, I reached out to um, to Anthony and let him know about this group. Once again, if you don't know this industry, they have these groups you would never know exist. And the group is the Society for Petroleum um, uh, Research Economics. So economics, economic, <laughs> economist, like, Society for Petroleum Research e Economists. And it's a whole bunch of people that do exactly what Anthony wants to do. And they get together once a month here in Houston. They have some other events. They get together in, I think, Europe and uh, maybe maybe South America too. Um, but it's it's a room full of senior people that, that would be just the perfect mentors for Anthony. So I connected him with the president of that group, JC. And then also point him at, at on the Modal Point blog, we have a page called Learn About Oil and Gas. And we have a whole bunch of oil and gas magazines that are free <laughs> if you sign up for them. And it's just great resources. One of them is an uh, oil and gas finance journal, which I pointed Anthony that way as well. 
So, um, yeah, if, if you're looking for something niche and you're struggling to find it, the problem with oil and gas is, is quite frankly, it's old-fashioned. So a lot of times if you try to do a Google search and try to find what you're looking for, it won't show up because sometimes some of these groups don't even have a website. Or if they do, they don't even understand how to rank for their own, their own name <laughs> for their own organization, uh, much less how to do search engine optimization. So um, not that I want to spend my day making connections for people, but if you're struggling to find a group, if, especially if it's um, something niche like this, reach out to me or reach out to Jake, and if we can help you, we'll point you in the right direction. All right, up next is Chip Warren. He says, what rise in the world GDP is necessary to give the oil and gas industry pricing power? So it's actually C. Warren. I have no idea. I'm not even sure how to answer this question because it's just too vague. And I'm, I'm sorry, C. I mean, this is kind of all over the place. Um, but the way oil affects uh, GDP is, is it it's, depends on where you are in the world. So when you have low oil prices, that's good for oil importers. So uh, think Japan, India, China, um, most of Europe. But it's bad for oil exporters. So, um, you know, Kuwait, Iraq, Russia, uh, the U.S. Um, so, it, 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 you know, there's a bunch of variables that go on. The other thing you have to remember is when you have low oil prices, low oil prices reduce the cost of living because, quite frankly, everything on this planet is moved in some fashion based upon oil. And so those travel costs, those transportation costs will fall, leading to a lower cost of living, which then lowers the inflation. And inflation is basically, you know, if you buy something for a dollar this year, next year that same thing will cost a dollar and five cents. So, um, you know, it's it's. But then you get the problem that when you have lower inflation, wages start to stagnate, and then you start eventually having a fall in an um, fall in um, on income. So especially discretionary income. So there's a bunch of things that zig and zag. Um, and once again, I'm not really sure what your question is. What rise in world GDP is necessary to give oil and gas industry pricing power? Uh, oil and gas is 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 the is what GDP is based upon in most of the world. Uh, you, you may not know that directly, but at any one time in the ocean, there's more oil being transported than the weight of all the fish that live in the ocean. That kind of gives you a, a feeling for the scale of what's going on. So, um, you know, cu countries especially that export oil, their GDP is directly tied either directly or indirectly to the price of oil. Um, so anyway, if, if that hopefully C. Warner answers your question, if we're off base here, reach back out and we'll try to do a better job. I'd be curious to know how they weighed all the fish in the ocean. <laughs> it's it's a statistical analysis. I, I, I'm not going to bore, bore our listeners with this, but I actually know how to do it because my degree is in wildlife management. <laughs> All right. Uh, up next is uh, John Spark with StatOil. He writes, Mark, I loved your oil and gas predictions for 2017. I went back and listened to your predictions for 2014, 15, and 16. And gosh darn, you almost nailed it perfectly each time. Your predictions are more accurate than the big analyst firm's Great work, but can you talk more about your forecast of global ethylene storage? So I promise you, I didn't pay him to say this. <laughs> um, so we, you know, every year at the end of the year, we do our predictions for the next year. We don't always get it right. Um, I think we're averaging a right about seventy-four percent accuracy rate. If you look at since we've been doing it, um, and and I I often get not only do I get that we're better than the big analyst firms. I actually I can't name names. There's several of the big analyst firms that reach out to me and want my opinion on something they're working on, and and you know I don't have a crystal ball. I think the thing that gives me a little bit of advantage is I don't do data mining. When we make our predictions, it's because for, for a business, for a market research, we spend all of our time interviewing 
uh, senior management in the oil and gas industry globally. And so I'm actually talking to the people that run the business, and that's where a lot of our information comes from. So instead of data mining something, I'm actually listening to the guys and hearing what they're worried about next year or what they're happy to have for next year, and eventually you start seeing trends and that sort of stuff. Um, and one of those trends is a global ethylene shortage. And if you don't know what ethylene is, um, ethylene is what you make plastics from. And so basically you take natural gas and you strip out the ethane and use that in a, something called ethylene cracker uh, to make ethylene. And that makes uh, things like uh, polyethylene, uh, polystyrene, styrene polymers, you know, adhesives, polymers, uh, all that sort of stuff. And so what's happening is we're looking at the um, global demand for, for ethylene and we're looking at the global supply and there's getting ready to be a delta this year, and that delta is going to continue because we have a bunch of ethylene crackers, not just here in the U.S., which we do. We have a bunch all around the world, but they're not going to come online in time for this demand. So we're actually entering to an ethylene shortage, we think. Um, you know, it's and, and, there's, and there's a bunch of moving parts in this as well because it also depends on the price of natural gas. also depends on the price of transportation because what happens is the growing demands for ethylene are in countries that actually can't produce it. So you have other countries like the U.S. that can produce it and it has to be transported. So um, we're keeping an eye on this. If, if you're in the oil and gas industry, especially if you're a service company or like Jake was talking about earlier, if you have a technology you want to sell to oil and gas, this global ethylene shortage is going to create opportunity for your business. And, and I can't tell you what it is because I don't know your business, but anytime there's a shortage and you have companies out there spending billions of dollars to try to stand up plants to capitalize on that shortage, there's a lot of opportunity, especially for sales teams. So yeah, it's um, we're, we're going to see it coming. And what's going to happen is when we enter that global ethylene shortage, the price of plastics are going to go up. So you know your Tupperware that you're paying two bucks for now, you might be paying 250 or 275 for the next couple of years. So we're keeping an eye on this, but uh, uh, John, that uh, was Stadwell, thanks. And Stadwell is a Norwegian company, but the fact that, John, that you said, gosh darn it, means you have to be here from the U.S. <laughs> so that about wraps it up with all of our questions. We want to thank everybody for writing in. You guys make this show, obviously. Uh, if you have a question that you want to get answered, just look down in the show notes uh, for the next First Friday Q&A, and we'd love to answer it for you. Yeah, and so normally this is a point where we say we have a winner. Well, we don't because, Jake, you and I have a new sponsor this year. Yes, we do. We're very excited about it. Yep. So we have Red Wing back as our sponsor, which means we're going to start giving away those awesome offshore bags. Jake, you don't have one, do you? I, I don't yet, but I would love one. Yeah, so we're going to see if we can get you one in the mail. Um, so if uh, you want to win one of these awesome offshore bags, and I'm telling you, people, I have a young woman that took pictures of it. Um, she was wearing it like a person from their Christmas tree. And she's dressed like in a, a full gown and everything, and it was it was just so cool. But it just shows you how big demand. If you want to win one of these, go right now. Go to redwingshoes.com forward slash podcast. That's redwingshoes.com forward slash podcast. Enter your information, and next week we'll pull our first lucky winner for Red Wing. See official site for rules and details. Go do it. Up next is our weekly rig count. So uh, this week we are up five rigs for a total of 658 rigs. So once again, for the last, what, like six, seven, eight weeks, it's been consistently trending up. Moving in the right direction. Love to hear it. Yeah, so next we're talking about the vents on deck. Um, you know, we kick out this monthly newsletter where we I have my interns comb the entire internet and find all the oil and gas events that are worth going to, put them in one place, stick them in your inbox once a month. No hassle. We do it free of charge. And then we also do stuff like give away free passes. So OTC will be coming up pretty soon. If you want to get in there for free, we'll give away some free passes, give away discounts. Um, so go sign up for it. Jacob put a link in the show notes. Uh, coming up in the events, we have the Leaders in the Industry Luncheon, uh, January 11th here in Houston at the Petroleum Club. Um, you're going to have uh, um, 
William Marco, who's managing director at Jeffrey's uh, LLC, um, speaking there. It's a, the Industry and the Leaders Luncheon is put on by the uh, IPAA, and it's a great way to network with some serious uh, oil and gas uh, talent and, and senior leaders out there. It's in Petroleum Club. Um, next, we have uh, the Rice Forum um, EPC projects. So that's uh, Engineering uh, Procurement Construction Project, Back to Front Planning. The cool thing about this is the um, the, the guy that's actually speaking is actually from Technip, and he's talking about how they use uh, back-to-front planning on their big EPC projects. So um, his name is Boris. He's a great speaker. If you get a chance, go check this out. This is uh, January 13th, uh, once again here in Houston at the Grand Hall in the Rice University. And then the, the Marion Winsett Networking Lunch. You've heard me talk about this before. Marion Winsett is a godfather of the oil and gas industry. This lunch has been going on more or less since the 1970s. Um, it is now put on by Oilfield Portal. It's you go, you buy your own lunch. I've seen people find clients. I've seen people pick up jobs. I've seen salespeople share information. Um, I probably won't make this one. I try to make these all the time, but it's, it's, it's busy. But Jake, you haven't made one of these, have you? Uh, not yet. And I would love to go to this one, but we're going to be in Oklahoma. Oh, let's see. So we're going to be in Oklahoma. So we'll miss this one well. But if you're not going to be in Oklahoma, which you should be with Jake and I and uh, Paige and Patrick, and you're here in Houston, go check this one out. It's, it's a great network event. Tell, them, tell Rebecca that uh, Mark and Jake sent you. So if you like this show, it would help us tremendously if you could just go and leave us a review, uh, leave us a little five-star rating, please. Um, also, check out some of the other podcasts. We have the HSE podcast with Patrick. Uh, we've got the Industry Leaders with Paige. Um, you can go to the website, sign up for any kind of notifications whenever we drop new episodes. Uh, yeah, and, and let me just stop you right there, Jake. If you're listening to the HSNE podcast and you're listening to iTunes, we broke the feed. So you have to go search for it again. Um, uh, subscribe to the new feed, and we promise we won't do it again. And then the oil and gas industry leaders that Jake leaked, and I think I leaked a while back as well, it's not released yet. It should be released the end of this month. Um, but that is going to be just a killer podcast. Paige is talking to some senior leaders in oil and gas um, exploring their stories, figuring out what they're doing, how they got there, and, and how that information can help you. And then, Jake, I'm so jealous. So you and I give away a bag, and Patrick and I give away a bag. Paige is, get to get, is going to get to give away steak dinners. You better believe I'm entering. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm going to enter too because that's just not fair. So uh, if, you know, if you're out there listening, pay attention. When we release the oil and gas industry leaders, it is going to be a killer podcast, and, and, and Paige is just awesome with the guest. Um, and then, like Jake said, we have email lists now. So for Oil & Gas This Week, we have a, our own website. Go check it out. It's really cool. Sign up for the email list so you'll be automatically notified not only when a podcast is released, but when we do anything else. Same way with HS&E. And it'll, it'll be that way with all of our podcasts. Um, like Jake said, leave us a review. We need it. We love it. Um, we'll start actually doing shout-outs for the reviews probably next show. And then uh, LinkedIn Group. Jake, what's the deal with the LinkedIn Group? So LinkedIn Group, I think we have like 1,600 members so far. Uh, if you want to be more, I guess, intimate with the the podcast group, all of the listeners, go on there, sign up for the group. Um, all you have to do is just click join. Um, we're going to post relevant articles. You can have kind of just join in the discussion. You know, it's a way to kind of create a community um, around all of the listeners. Yeah, and if you want to see something funny, we actually have some anti oil and gas members of the um, uh, oil and gas LinkedIn group, which we we don't we welcome everybody, and they'll. If you go back and look, one of them made a comment uh, last week, and I made a funny comment back, and then I had like 72 others of our members make comments back. It's hilarious. <laughs> so you even get some comedy relief by if you join the LinkedIn group. <laughs> well, I think that about wraps it up. Do we have anything else? Nope. So uh, let's get out of here, Jake. So do great work, pay it forward, and we will see you next time.